Michael Clark, Laurie Daly and Benway joining you on this very busy morning. We've still got Phil Moss to come, Jared Daffy, Roger Rashid, Ali Mosley to talk racing. Stu Clark is on to discuss cricket uh, just before the test match gets underway. In fact, two enthralling test matches coming up at the same time. Brad Davidson and Michael Maxworthy can round things out. But... Next up will be Mossy. Uh, one thing we haven't talked about from a cricket side of things, Michael, is this ICC Test Team of the Year. And I can't wait to talk to Stu about it a little bit later on. But for those who missed the news, Australia's exceptionally well represented, as you would expect for a, a team that took out the World Test Championship and had great success. Five of the 11 spots went to Aussies. Amazing. No room for Nathan Lyon. So... In 2023, he took 47 wickets in 10 matches at 24.95. But the uh, spinning spot went to uh, Ravi Ashwin, which is probably fair enough. Uh, Leave it with me. Well, they got Jadeja as well. So not that this team plays anyone, but they could essentially... Uh, so it depends Rav- where it's played as well. That's the other thing. Well, if it's so played in Australia, I'm taking Nathan Lyon over Ashwin or yeah. Jadeja. If it's played in India, oh, I don't mind that. That combination's pretty good of Ashwin and Jadeja. So, what were the numbers? It was 40 at 24. Well, Ashwin took 41 at 17. Okay, that's why he got And started. a strike rate of 40.3. I think generally with these ICC teams, unless it's changed, but normally... The players that get selected, you go, oh, that's that's nice, thank you. The other players don't care too much about it. No. Because a lot of times you could probably pick a a different 11 to play against that ICC World 11 for that season that would certainly compete, if not beat. Do fellow players team. pick it or do media pick no, it? No, I don't, I don't know who picks it, Loz, yeah. to be honest. I'm not sure. I see. But it's, 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 a, it's a nice little... Like, yeah. Again, you say yeah, congratulations. Yeah, on congratulations yeah. to the players that do get selected. But, um, yeah, I think, I think it's hard to... Uh, I think selecting a team based on statistics is never your best team. Because oh. <laughs> statistics tell... Yeah. A number of stories. And like that's why I say, you know, you look at where Ashwin and Jadeja are playing, even if they play half of those test matches at home, very different to bowling spin in Australia. So you'd like to think they are taking more wickets than a Nathan Lyon, for example. You're right about the stats. So I was only talking, where were we? We are in Adelaide. I think it was maybe Merv Hughes and... Uh, there was three of us in the discussion anyway. We were discussing the greatest of all time, as you do in those sort of water cooler chats. Mm. And the case was mounted for Jacques Callis. Oh, Statistically, best. He's the best. No, there is no, no one comparison. Near no one him. close. Average fifty odd, fifty five with the bat. So averages as averages more than Sachin Tendulkar with the bat, and has a better bowling record than I think they were saying it was. I think better than Brett Lee or better than it was like phenomenal as well. He, he, he was, yeah, he statistically and catching. It wouldn't yes. be too many better second slip fieldsmen than Jack Callis. Maybe Mark War, that's about it. Um, statistically, there's never been a better player. And yet he <laughs> wouldn't probably be in anyone's top five. If you're picking a world team. Or just your best five of all time. Oh, no, no. And even if you're picking, if you're picking... If Jack Callis is making your world 11, he's probably batting at six and bowling. 
where he played 99% of his career, he batted at three or four for South Africa. But no, you're not, he's not, his numbers are better than Sachin Tendulkar, but you're not picking him in front of Sachin. His numbers are better than Brian Lara. You're not picking him in front of Brian mm. Lara. Um, and, and anyone, you're not picking, I'm not picking him in, well, even, even in my day, it was, I, I would pick, I would have picked Ricky Ponning over Jack Ellis. Yeah. So there's your three, four, five. Mm. So. Well, even the oldies, they would they would say they take sobers over him as oh, an all rounder. Yeah. You, yeah. Anyway, uh, we need to get to Mossy and talk a little bit bit of football. Mossy, the Aussies. Well, Uzbekistan. We thought it would be an easier uh, game than it probably was. Is it fair to say Australia was lucky because we were sitting here discussing we. We read out that it was a controversial penalty. I didn't see much controversy. It, it just wasn't a penalty. G'day, Benny. Uh, Clarky, Loz. Um, I'm not sure who thought Uzbekistan would be an easier game than it was because um, I've said it many times and people who don't understand Asian football don't realise the resources and millions and millions of dollars being ploughed into the development and the national teams and we just don't have that sort of money. And if when we do have money in the bank, we don't seem to spend it in the right areas but um, yeah look it was always going to be a, a tough game the toughest of our group um, yeah the, the penalty there's no doubt about it it was controversial I mean I'm not sure what else you do with your your arm your hand um, when you're in that position as a, as a defender um, but when you go to ground in the box um, and you give the referee a decision to make whether that's handball or foul um, whatever it is so you know defenders are always taught to stay on your feet um, in the box, so you alleviate um, that from happening, and it's easier to control your arms as well when you're on your feet. Um, but penalty was given, and look, you've seen them given, you've seen them not. We've copped a few against us. Uh, we, we got one for us. So the law of averages, uh, I, I'm not going to uh, argue with it. And Uzbekistan were, were good value for the draw. I, I think it was a fair result in the end, and, and we now need to step up a level going into the, into the knockout rounds. I wanted to ask you, you Mossy, we did finish on top of our group, but would Arnie be um, happy or maybe a touch concerned about the way we're playing? Uh, look, he'll be wanting more, Loz. Um, you've got to be happy when you top your group. Um, you get out of your group with a game to spare. Uh, you keep two out of three clean sheets. Um, you score in every game. So, you know, there's a lot of positives, but, but generally on the form we've shown... Um, and the chances we've created, he'll want more when, when we go to the, um, the knockout stages. And it looks like we'll play uh, Palestine, who have um, mm. qualified as uh, the, the, third, uh, the, the, the top third um, side um, in, from Group C. First time they've ever made the knockout stages. So we'll go into that game as, as clear favourites. Um, but yeah, he'll, he'll want us to be creating more chances than what we are. And you know, he said it the other night, we can work on patterns of play and, and build up and everything like that, but you can't stick the ball in the back of the net. That's up mm. to the players out there. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if maybe uh, he was tempted to go with Bruno Fornaroli with Mitchell Duke out. Cassini Yengi played up front the other night. I thought he did very well. He's a player of the future, no doubt. But when you get to these knockout stages, you need experience and players who are finding the back of the net. And Bruno Fornaroli is doing exactly that. Mossy, that's what I was going to ask. For this next game on Saturday night, is it more about uh, the players that are, that, are, that are out there being more attacking or taking that shot or being more aggressive? Or do we need to make changes because we need players that are naturally more like that to, to come into the starting lineup? 
Yes, it's a good point, Clarky. I, I think if you look at the opposition we've played so far, they've all been set up really well defensively and, and, and don't give too much room away. Um, and Palestine, I think, will be the same. Um, but, but as you go pointier in the, in the competition, there's teams that will come at you more, which means there's more broken play, which gives us a chance to transition, which has been one of our strengths uh, under Oni. Um, when we defend in a block the way we have been, you know, it, it looks as though it's harder for players to get forward quicker. Um, so it looks like there's less players getting forward and, and attacking. Um, so that's something that he's going to have to solve for because, um, you know, Palestine, no doubt, will, will sit in a block and, and try and make it hard for us to break them down again. Um, so, yeah, the likes of Bruno Fornaroli, and, and I don't know who he's going to play on, on Sunday night in this round of 16 game, um, of course, but, but you need streetwise um, and street fighters in games like that. And Bruno Fornaroli's got that. Um, Cassini Yangi's got the height and the strength and, and the, you know, youthful enthusiasm and all of that. Um, but, yeah, it'll be interesting to see the, the mix that he goes with. But one thing I do know, Clarky, Riley McGree makes a huge difference to our team. He, he started the other night after coming off the bench in the first two. Uh, he was very creative, scheming, always looking like he was going to make something happen for us. Um, so that's a really good sign for us. Mossy, you, you mentioned the investment that these other countries are making in their team. What about for us in this tournament? What, what's a pass mark? Is it semi-finals? Uh, is it make the final? Is it win? What, where do you see? Yeah, look, anything anything less than semi-finals isn't isn't a pass. Yeah. Um, but yeah, once you get to that stage, of course, like we've already seen, Japan Japan have lost a game. Um, you know, South Korea have drawn a game. Um, you know, the the and and they're they're two of the powerhouses along with us and and Saudi. Um, so you know, any anything's possible, Loz, But but you would imagine that anything less than semi-finals is is a fail. Um, but really, we should be looking to to make the final and go on and win it. And the players have said that. Arnie said that. Um, so you know, their their goal, quite rightly, is to go on and win it. Um, but I think if we make the final, um, you know, that's got to be a a pass mark. If we if we win it, then that's just euphoria. What have we got coming up from an A League side of things? Uh, we've got another big weekend. Um, obviously, no EPL this weekend with the, uh, the FA Cup fourth round. But um, so, so all eyes uh, in Australia will be on that Asian Cup game with the Socceroos and, and the A League. Um, Melbourne City kick things off tonight against Adelaide. I'll be on the microphone for Paramount Plus um, on that one. So really looking forward to that. I, th- I think that's got the makings of a fantastic game. Melbourne City gutted after they uh, they lost late against the Mariners away last week. Um, Adelaide haven't uh, haven't been in great form, but they, they're a side that can play good football. Um, and, of, of course, they've got Aaron Kunda, the excitement machine. Um, so that should be a cracker. Um, Melbourne Victory hosting Sydney FC in the Big Blue down there in Melbourne tomorrow night, 7.45, uh, Friday night. Um, so that'll be a ripper as well. But, um, yeah, overall, there's been some great games of football, some really good goals scored. Um, kids getting a chance in this A-League uh, season. So, uh, yeah, an exciting round. What about over there in the Premier League and Tottenham Hotspurs in particular? How's Ange and the team going? Well, this weekend, Loz, Ange is hosting uh, Manchester City in the fourth round of the FA Cup at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So uh, there's a bit of a bromance uh, forming between Ange and Pep Guardiola. Um, Pep's got a lot of time for Ange. Obviously, Ange was part of the City football group that, that owns Manchester City, so Pep's 
familiar with him. He took Man City over to Japan and played against uh, Yokohama when Ange was in charge. So looking forward to this one. Spurs have won 12 out of their last 13 uh, cup games at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So uh, I don't think Manchester City will have it all their own way, although they go in as clear favourites. Um, but yeah, it should be a cracker game. Now, you would be well aware we were just talking about stats. Stats are not everything. But <laughs> I just want you to be aware that Gary has been doing a bit of a count. I don't know if his count's accurate. I'm just a fill-in. But he informs me at 66 straight multis that have gone awry. Is that My is God. that even slightly possible? And also, what are we doing for the weekend? <laughs> <laughs> you just that, want to build your confidence, after, Lossie. Yeah, after that, he's doing nothing. You can jam it. <laughs> I was just about to say, Lossie, what's you going on here, man? Mate, I got your back, buddy. 66 go? is a load of rubbish. And uh, all I know this, it's like getting a duck. Every time you get one, you're so much closer to getting 100. Maybe, yeah. but... So he's ready. Monster's maybe, but ready. after 66 ducks in a row, you yeah. might lose yeah. your spot, but not in the out. See, that's how loyal we are. We do not change our team. We back Mossy. He'll come good this week. Stick with him. Well, I, I, I love the way, Benny, you said you've got no idea if it's factual and then you've repeated it three times. <laughs> and don't worry, he's looked at the stats. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I, have, I have no idea. Well, the last time I was on the show, Loz was retiring from his multi, having succeeded for a week. Yeah. And then I, I think at that point you were... Um, you just come off a win. So a lot yeah. has transpired it's in between. It's a new year, Benny. It's a new year. Yeah, new year, new that year, was, Mossy. Let's find something. That was about October 2004. <laughs> um, <laughs> mate, there was uh, Melbourne, Melbourne City to beat Adelaide tonight into Melbourne Victory to beat Sydney FC in the Big Blue uh, into the Mariners to beat Brisbane Raw. So just a three-leg, A-league, all-A-league, um, paying around the $6 mark, I think. Love it. Okay. And your tips quite regularly are seen in Bet's Friends? They are. They are, yep. And I'm trying to bounce back. My, my most recent tip lost in the, the, the fourth leg, lost in the 113th minute or something. It was just ridiculous. No, sorry, the 13th minute of injury time, 103rd minute last weekend. So I'm due one. Yeah, that was grim as the bottom side managed to snatch a draw. All right. I have faith in you. I believe in you. We'll talk again soon. Great work, Benny. Thanks, Clarky. Lots of you Great to have you listening to the Big Sports Breakfast. Laurie Daly, Michael Clark, and Ben Way. Keep those texts coming through. Glenn from the Central Coast. People are very unrealistic about the quality of some of the teams in Asia. People think we should be flogging them. Everyone should just bear in mind that Japan, who are supposed to actually be favourites for the whole tournament, only finished second in their group. So that might be something to think about. And that was certainly echoing the sentiments of Mossy there. And Anthony is clearly a Sobers fan. He said, check Sobers stats. Chinaman, I don't think we call it that anymore. I think it's left arm wrist spin these days. But either way, uh, that was the term for left arm leg spin. A finger spinner, opening bowler, brilliant batting stats and one of the greatest fieldsmen of all time. Slips and open field. You can have Callus. I'll take Sobers. And... Oh, I don't think anything anyone's comparing Jack Callus to Cigarford Sobers. Again, completely different era. I think it'd be disrespectful to either to compare, you know, you, you talk to anybody that grew up watching Cigarfield Sobers and they put him on a pedestal. He, he, he was that good. Um, you know, it, 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 again, 
we've had a couple of messages come through this this world 11 versus you know the west indies team in the 80s everyone's saying the west indies team in the 80s will beat them yeah probably i can show you an australian team that i reckon could beat this world 11 team it's just it is what it is the stats are done at the end of the season on games played performances and then they pick an 11 i don't think it's you know I don't think the players take it too seriously. It's a good reward for the boys that have been selected and they deserve to be congratulated for the guys that missed out for someone like, you know, if I'm picking my world 11, I've still got Steve Smith in there. Yeah. He mightn't be opening the batting, but he's probably going to bat at three or four. I think Pat Cummins sneaks his way in. That's what I'm saying. So, you know, and, and look the other way, Alex Carey's copped so much criticism in the last probably six to 12 months yet. He's in the world 11. Yeah. So I I think it, it is what it is. And, yeah, I think it's, it's all, all this stuff's always great for debate. You know, you, everyone's you can, you can questioning. Sit, you can sit there and talk about, you know, um, who's better, uh, Sachin Tendulkar or Virat Kohli? Mm. Who's better? Like when I was growing up, it was, you know, Sachin Tendulkar technically, in my eyes, is the best batsman I've ever seen, technically. But Brian Lara was my favorite player. Mm. You know, Mark Waugh, Steve Waugh. Steve Waugh averages 10 more than Mark Waugh, but. I loved Mark Waugh. It's all very personal. It is. Jared Daffy is on the line, our senior tab media presenter, and there's a lot of basketball on at the moment, NBL, NBA, wherever you want to have a bet, and you can't underestimate how popular these markets are, Daff. Good morning to you all. You're quite right about that, Ben. Basketball is actually our biggest betting product now, probably by virtue of the fact that it goes for so long and there's so much on every day, and there's... Plenty of matches today and a couple of moves uh, and they they fit in in the two closely or closest priced matches of the day. The first one at 11.10, Detroit uh, take on Charlotte. Charlotte have been 2.30 into 2.20, Detroit out to 1.70, a line there of three points in favour of Detroit. And the other one is Dallas v Phoenix, uh, Dallas the home side here in Phoenix. A mover inwards, 185 into 170. Dallas out to 220 now. A line there of two and a half points. And a couple of NBL matches tonight. Uh, first one, South East Melbourne. Uh, must be players missing here. They've gone from 330 out to 550. Sydney $1.14. And the line there, 11 and a half points in favour of the Kings. And the second match in Perth. So it's a late one, 930. Perth $1.32. Illawarra 330. And a line there of seven and a half points. Well, Daff, it's the second te- match, test match between Australia and West Indies today. Mm. Um, I never thought I'd say this, but I think I'll be watching more of the England-India test match than the Australia versus West Indies test match. I think you're going to have a few mates. Um, mm. India, well, Coley's not in the first two tests for personal reasons. So, oddly enough, they've shortened up India, $1.50 into $1.45. The draw's completely unwanted at eight. And England have got a little bit of support there at four. At the same time, Australia take on West Indies. I don't know whether you guys have checked the weather this morning, but it looks like Armageddon in Brisbane on Saturday, mm-hmm. if it lasts that long. Uh, Australia a dollar and eleven, a draw at eight, so it's in from twelve. The Windies at twenty-nine, and we've got all of the normal uh, ba- uh, options we've got open. The high bat's always the popular one. The first innings, and Steve Smith he failed. Uh, last start, but he's four dollars favourite, uh, four dollar favourite ahead of Labuschagne and Kawaja at four fifty. Daff, what about with this women's semi-final day at the Aussie Open? Mm. Well, 
the two faves, they've been faves since uh, Schwantek went out. Goff and Sabalinka take on each other, and Sabalinka, all of a sudden, she's hugely popular. Mm. $1.46, Coco Goff at two sixty five. dollars uh, The other one's a bit quiet, uh, but it'll fire up tonight. Zheng at one forty six, and Yamstrinka. Uh, Yastrzemska at $2.65. To win that title, Sabalinka now, odds on, $1.70. Goff at $3.50. They'd spent most of the week as equal favourites, oddly enough. Uh, Zing at $5.50 and Yastrzemska at $13. The men's, well, uh, Alcatraz... <laughs> Alcaraz is out. Uh, Djokovic now a dollar eighty. Sinner at four thirty. Medvedev six fifty. Zverev at ten dollars. And that uh, semi-final we've got open at the moment. One of them, and Djokovic is a dollar fifty to beat Sinner at two fifty. The other one will be open a little bit later, but Medvedev will be slight favourite there against Zverev. Yeah, no escape for Alcaraz, beaten by Zverev last night. So. Melbourne City, Adelaide United, Sydney FC, Melbourne victory. Talk a little bit of A-League. Melbourne City, 185, Ben. Draw 425, Adelaide United at 350. Tomorrow night's match, Melbourne victory, 220. Sydney FC, 290, and the draw, 380. And I know you were talking to Mossy at length about the Asian Cup. We don't have that Socceroos match-up yet, uh, but rest assured it'll be open at some stage today. Thanks, Staff. See you, guys. Bye. This is the Big Sports Breakfast. Michael Clark, Laurie Daly and Ben Way, amongst other things, discussing rare, unfortunate and strange injury mishaps to sports stars over the years. I was reading about one back in 1934 at the US Open. A bloke called Bobby Cruikshank appeared to... Well, he was on track to winning his first major on the PGA Tour. He had the lead on the 11th hole, hit a wayward shot. Miraculously, it hit a rock and bounced onto the green. And in celebration, he threw his club into the air and rejoiced, only for his club to come back down, knock him on the head, require stitches, give him a concussion. He had five over over the remaining holes to ultimately finish third and never won a major. So that would be one injury mishap that a little bit regrettable for Mr... Crookshank. There have been a few in tennis circles over the years as well. Don't know whether Rog will have any for us, but let's talk a bit of tennis. Morning, Roger. Maybe we can get to strange injury mishaps a little bit later on because the tennis has been so good. That's where we should start. And Carlos Alcaraz was knocked out in stunning fashion against Verev, who had a, a brief hiccup. But beyond that, it was just a remarkable performance. Yeah, good morning, boys. I'm just trying to think of the mishaps, but I can't think of one at the moment. But um, you're right, the tennis, tennis has been uh, of the highest order, there's no doubt about that. And last night, what were we expecting when we walked out there? We are expecting someone like Zverev, who's had five hours more tennis played prior to the match uh, last night against Alcaraz, to um, obviously, with a, with a lot of experience, has a win-loss record over Alcaraz, 4-3. They won, he won his last uh, match against him at the ATP World Tour Finals at the end of the year. So... Um, he wasn't going in there overawed. He's experienced. He's won 21 tournaments, um, so he's he's got he's got runs on the board. Obviously, as we know, he's been to a been to a major final. And but but Akras was the form player going in. I thought he went up to all sorts of levels uh, two nights ago, uh, prior where he where he was so um, he was so precise in everything he did: movement, ball striking, speed of ball, placement, everything, and. Uh, Gee, what a what a match we got because we never expected some um, Zverev to play probably probably the purest tennis match 
I've ever seen him play. He led 6-3, 6-2, Looked like it was going to be really a tennis lesson. Um, it gets to, it gets back. He goes to serve for it. He all of a sudden he's serving at about 88% at this stage for the whole match, which is extraordinary numbers. You're generally looking at about 65 to 70 for Zverev in the in in the whole uh, average throughout the year. Um, and he was virtually untouchable, to be to be honest. And uh, and it's extraordinary when you think of someone like Alcaraz. And uh, but he he had a hiccup and he admitted it. He said he he said he, you know, we're all human. You, you look at the scoreboard. And it is quite interesting because when you're when you're not serving for the match but you're leading, you play pretty free and you're looking after you're just looking after the moment. Um, and but it's it's quite broad and all of a sudden you come out and you're serving for the match and and all of a sudden it highlights that first serve and you and you, you you'll be thinking to yourself, right, where am I going? What am I looking for? I just need to get this first point. So that so your, your mentality. It's probably not what you should be thinking. You should just stay in the moment and stay in the flow. But it's, you can't help but think about the first point, and that uh, and that's changed things. And to you know, then they so Alcaraz wins that. The crowd gets behind him. They get to a tiebreak, and Alcaraz played one of the most purest tiebreaks where he was just off the charts in his in in what he was doing with the ball. Where he hit about he had four winners in that tiebreak, clean winners uh, that were extraordinary speeds too. They weren't they weren't soft winners and. Uh, and then we thought it was a. Then, he, then we thought it, the match had turned and nearly did turn. Alcaraz was four three up. He had break points um, to go to five three. Didn't get him, and, and then um, and then he gets broken um, at four all. So and get and Zverev holds out. So one, just one of the most extraordinary tennis performances. Because when you lose the third, you think there might be a dip mentally. I've got to come back. Bit fatigued. The crowd's egg, egging on Alcaraz. He's jumping out of his skin. Um, and he makes that turnaround. So, in a, in another time, Zverev would have dropped that match. Um, but it was an extraordinary performance. Yeah, one to one that we're lucky to be in the stadium to watch. Roger, I read somewhere, and I, I, I can only take them on their word. That was Zverev's first ever Grand Slam win against a top five opponent. Yeah, that's right. Is that so, right? yeah, and um, you know, I'm, he's you know he's lost to Novak. He's lost to Rafa. Um, you know, so when when you when you look at it that way, and who who the losses have been to, um, you know they're they're pretty good. They're they're healthy losses, and he's and he's had some big. You know, he's, done, he's he had to he had to default against um, last year at the uh, at the French Open when he was playing Novak, and he was on top. Um, so he he had a very bad major ankle injury a couple of uh, not last year the year before, um, and. You know, so he's had some he had some he's had some tough ones, um, but he's also had some areas of weakness which was were just so well looked after yesterday because he wasn't because he was play, serving at such big numbers, not as many balls were coming back, so it didn't mean he had he got exposed on the forehand side. His second serve has been tidied up. He used to serve uh, second serves that were, were rolling in at about one oh five, one ten, one twenty that were just saying hit me. Uh, a lot of double faults. He's beefed that up, and he's serving now in the mid 160s to 70. Um, so yeah, he's he's done a lot of work, and he's 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 resilient. Um, it's a hell of an effort. Physically, it was a hell of an effort as well. Roger, what about today, mate? What can we expect with the women's semis? Uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. That you know, we've got a Ukraine qualifier um, in Yastremska who's who's gone about her work pretty pretty uh, amazingly, really, because she had to beat Azarenka, who was a former. Uh, world number one. She's she's just gone about. Um, she's and she and she beat a seed in the first round. So um, 
Yeah, she's she's the surprise packet, 93 in the world. You've got to qualify, get through. So you, you've won a lot of matches. Uh, she plays in, uh, number 15 seed, uh, Zhuang, uh, Quinwen Zhang. And so she this uh, 21-year-old, she was a schoolgirl watching Li Na, her country her country uh, her country um uh countrywoman um win the Australian Open. So there's a great photo of her at school with her friends watching a television screen uh while while Lena was winning. And so that was ten years ago and now she's uh she's actually stepping out. She's two 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 games away from uh winning at Australian Open herself. I think she'll get through. Um really good quality player. Got a chink on her serve, whether that becomes a bit, you know, for pressure points, uh, she's affected there. But I think she'll get through. And then Coco Goff tonight, and as a ranker, that's the, I guess that's the popcorn match uh, today on the, on the card, and that's the first match up. Uh, so the both matches are tonight. Um, as a ranker, she's only given up three games in a set. Uh, she's barely she's barely spent time on the court. She's fresh. Coco Goff's gone to three sets in her last match. She's had the fight for uh, for her position in the semifinals. Uh, but but she also beat um, Azarenka in the in the US Open final that's just gone. So at the end of in the end of last year in September. So there's a bit of payback. Sabalenka said, "Oh, this, that's a great matchup for me because I need revenge." Um, and you don't normally talk about that in press conferences, but she's like Medvedev. She just talks, speaks her mind, uh, tells you what she's feeling out there and and what she thinks. And um, yeah, so I'm really looking forward to tonight's tonight's semifinals. Uh, we've, we've got some outstanding semi-finals on the men's and the women's side. And so the, the tournament's just uh, hit us, you know, it's, it's hit a critical point with with just quality tennis players in front of it. And an update on the doubles as well? What happened? Oh, well, <laughs> when I say what happened, uh, Matt Ebden and his uh, his partner, Rowan Bapana, they're in, a, they're in a semi-finals. And get this, boys, I'm, Rowan Bapana is a 43-year-old. Yeah, I know you've got it. I know. I'm not sure what you'll think about this, mm-hmm. uh, boys. And he's he's now the number one doubles player in the world after yesterday's win. He's now, 43. Yeah, that's a what good it, effort. Saying there's that, a chance. You're saying there's a chance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm saying there's a chance. I'm saying yeah, there is a chance. So, like, strap in, get your get your rackets out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm also saying, yeah. is that? Is that good? Yeah, I'm hearing you. Know, you. I know what you're saying. You know, is it, is, you know, and it's great for Rowan. He's a great guy. Well, I think, I, th- um, I think it's good as long as we've got youngsters coming through. Uh, that, yeah. That's the, like, again, I'm not, I couldn't care less about age. If you're good enough at 16, get in. If you're good enough at 43, get in. I don't care about that. But I don't mind, you know, still being able to cut it as you do get older. But as long as there's some young stock coming through because the sport, the sport needs it. Yes, good point. And that's and that's um, we were having this discussion actually, Wally Masur, myself, um, and a couple of uh, a couple of Englishmen who are commentating Richard Fromberg. We were all in this room, and we were discussing this this point and thinking, is that? And it's great for Rowan, and Matt Evans has been fantastic, and so it's fantastic. Where no, there's nothing against that, but we're thinking, oh, where's the? We want the youngsters. How do the youngsters stay in the game? And is it maybe you know? Is it maybe do you have to be um, in the top 250 singles players to actually play in the doubles event, for example. So, so what you you know that we we talk about players not having earning enough money from 100 to 200 to 300. You know, is that you need to be in that position in singles uh, to be able to enter the doubles? I'm not sure. There's 
there's you know but but if you you know but at the moment there's a whole lot of guys that just doubles specialist um and there's so there's more people playing the game and, and able to earn a living out of the game so it's it's an interesting it's an interesting space an interesting discussion point amongst uh you know amongst the tour level um execs about what the doubles how how to make it i guess uh sexier as a product um as well but um, yeah it's a, it's a great effort at 43. I have one last question. This may be the last time I host this show, so I yeah, just want to get a random possibly. question. No, okay. it won't be. Possibly. No, you'll be back no, for sure. Meadow takes quite a lot of holidays, <laughs> oh, okay. doesn't he? Okay. No, it okay. is a random question, but I, I think you're the man to answer. Why is pickleball such a thing? I mean, isn't it just a crap version of squash or tennis? <laughs> I'm genuinely perplexed by this new supposed sport that's taking over the world. Has it, it, I, I actually am too. Because it's it's gone nuts. What, what is this, is this the paddle used... thing you're talking about? The paddle thing yeah. with yeah. the ball that yeah. doesn't really bounce and just. Well, that, yeah. I thought we had it on a squash court. It's called racquetball. Yeah, well, yeah, that, that's a great. That's actually a great. That's actually a great sport, racquetball. I love Ra- racquetball. Um, yeah, Leighton and I used to do it in during the preseason, and, and my other, the other guys that I worked with in the preseason, we would play racquetball comps because. The ball stayed alive. Exactly uh, right. M- most most people could play it. So the physicality, you had these long rallies, yeah. exhausting rallies, and the ball kept staying alive. And if you could if you could put bat and ball, what a great training tool. Um, so yeah, no, it's it's. I agree with you, Ben. It's it's gone nuts. Uh, there's massive investment in it. Across in the US, there's venues being built all around the US. Big investment. Um, you know, Andre Agassi's invested in it. Steffi Graf, him and his wife, Andy Roddick. Maria Sharapova now is playing in the in the, in competition uh, now as well. There are there'll be players from tennis that uh, there are there are players in tennis that have crossed over. Uh, a guy called Jack Sock, who was a former top ten player in the US from the US, he's 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 crossed over to play that. Eugenie Bouchard from Canada, who's made the final of Wimbledon uh, one year, she's gone over and played that. So um, I don't know. All I say is there's it's a bat and ball sport, so it's. You know, if kids are playing it at a young age, I'm I'm not sure that's where their initial investment will be into into that, um, because it seems like it's more of a social, uh, it's a it's a social experiment. You know, you you can socially play it; anyone can play it. Um, but for the kids, and that is it, does it transition to tennis where you play that first and go to tennis? I don't think so. Um, I don't think it's uh, yeah. You swing it like a little bit, you know, like you swing it like tennis, but I don't think it's I'm not, I don't think it's part of myself personally. I don't think it's part of the tennis development journey. Mm-hmm. I think it's sort of it's a social uh, platform where you can um, you know people can actually enjoy each other's company, play um, you know, and you can have a whole lot of courts in one in one area. And you know, at Central Park in in New York, there's 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 courts, outdoor courts everywhere. It's it's I'm 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 with you. I'm perplexed, I'm a little perplexed by it, but there's big investment tennis Australia. Um, you know, that, you know, it's bat and ball sports. So why wouldn't they be involved in it? They they, they should be. And and uh, most most of the countries in in Sweden, it's enormous because there's they played indoors. In I think you know in in Australia, we're we're an outdoor sporting mm-hmm. world predominantly. Um, and I'm not sure whether it's going to. I'm not sure if it will really catch to the levels that it will in some of the other countries. In conclusion, not a sport. Thanks, Roger. Chat soon. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> See you, boys. Great to have your company here on the Big Sports Brekkie. A text coming through asking, what's Matt Ebden's double ranking? Just had to double check. I think he peaked at 39 in the singles, but currently ranked four when it comes to the doubles. Ali Mosley will be joining me at 7 p.m. tonight for Black Bookers. I'm sure all of you will be watching in on STC. Morning to you, Ali. I'm sure that's what everyone will be doing, Ben. <laughs> good morning. I don't even know if we'll be watching and we'll be on it. But either way, <laughs> uh, it's going to be a good show, I'm sure. We've got some good days racing coming up Friday and Saturday. Anything you like at Warwick Farm? I've got some busy days racing. I actually ventured out to Gosford yesterday and everyone couldn't believe I was there. They said, did I get lost from the city? <laughs> I was very offended. That's a um, fair but- question. Yeah, I know. Actually, it was a pretty fair question. Um, so it's been busy. But, yes, yeah, so we're kicking off. We've actually got the rescheduled Ballina Cup now today. And I had him last week, and I was a bit nervous about whether the meeting would go ahead. But I think Eagle won. I mean, he's been up for a little while now, but he's just been in such super form. He'll handle the track. He's got a, a big enough weight on his back, but I think he should be able to get the job done there easily enough in today's Ballina Cup. Uh, he was saved for this. I think they had him dual nom to either run in the Cup on Friday or in town in Brisbane on Saturday and they've elected to save him for this. So I think that says enough. So I want to kick off today with him and then at Warwick Farm tomorrow. There's been a lot of chat about Naval College. He's got a new jockey now, so I won't <laughs> won't get into that um, argument. But I think Naval College, certainly hard enough to beat, but at $1.70, I'd be looking for maybe value around him. And I think, you know, certainly I'd, I'd have something on him because I think he's a, a super horse. But I think Torrens is the one who could run right up to him. And he's $14 at the moment um, for Max Chevalier. He has been in super form this prep. They've got this guy going really well. He's a seven-year-old entire, so he's tricky enough to manage. And I think his run last start, over 2,000 behind Rose Hill Gardens will have topped him off nicely. He's been up well uh, well enough this preparation and should suit here, should map well. So he could be the one to watch there at the $14 Torrens. Uh, and then another one at Warwick Farm tomorrow who I'm, I'm watching too is Winchat first up. I think he could pinch race five, which we've seen him do in the past first up. Um, he's $7 at the moment. He's had two trials. His most recent trial was on a heavy track, and he just looked like he was labouring a little bit in the concluding stages. I think he'll be much better on top of the ground, and at $7, I think he could just jump and run and get away with the race there at Warwick Farm tomorrow. What about round week on Saturday, Al? So there's not a great deal that I'm keen to, to jump into, but one of them in the first I am, and that's Switzerland. There's been a huge rap on this guy. He's um, a two-year-old and he's stepping out. Tomorrow they scratched him from last week because he drew a sticky barrier. Uh, he's got a lugging bit on for the first time, so we're actually seeing him step out on Debu here. But I know the, form, the stable have a huge opinion of him uh, and he's at 290 at the moment. I, I think maybe he's even out a little bit on a couple of the others. So... Switzerland, and then a big watch. I don't know how many times I'll give this horse my money, but I'll probably keep going with it. Uh, Scampy. I just, I really feel like this guy's got ability, and he's burnt me too many times. I'm sure he's burnt a lot of the other punters, but he's had a let up. He's had the one trial. They've obviously kept him up to the mark fitness wise. I thought his trial was nice, and I, I just, I really feel this guy's got more to give than what we've seen of him so far. So Switzerland, I think, will win, but I think Scampy can run a nice race, and he's 750. At this stage, and then I'm going to the last race for my next, and that is Jonquera. 
She is not a tricky. Yeah, I know, I know. But you know what? I watched John O'Shea at the Gold Coast when she last ran, and as soon as she missed the kick and she was a bit funny in the barriers, I just looked at him and he looked at me and I said, oh, no. And he said, she's so frustrating. She's got all the ability in the world and she's just a bit of a barrier rogue. So should she get away well, she got the blinkers on for the first time, I'll back her every day and I'll probably back her until I'm broke. So she's 290 and I'm going with her in the last race. Okay, very good. Look forward to hearing a few of your other selections tonight. Quick thoughts on the BSB multi. So Luke Marlowe had Warwick Farm race two, number 13, Zadaki to run top three. Davo, well, he stuck his little neck out, didn't he? Naval College to run <laughs> top two at Warwick Farm. And then Michael Maxworthy rounded it out. Race nine, number 12, Viminelli. That is open now for those interested, paying $7. Your thoughts on it, Alec? Well, um, so you said, did you say Davo has Naval College to run top two? Yeah. Yeah, yeah you okay. think you would have put it into wind, wouldn't you? <laughs> oh. I mean, I, uh, yeah, I think so. Like I said, I think Torrens will run right up to him. He should be hard enough to beat, but surely he's got to have a bit of a crack there. Come on, Davo, what are you doing? A lift. He's on the show in about 15 <laughs> minutes' time, so that'll be the first question we ask him, Ali. See you tonight. Oh, don't throw me under the bus. <laughs> no, I don't know. I'll say he will. You, yeah, he will. Yeah, I will. Lock it in. Yeah, it's pretty will. much been four days of throwing people under the bus <laughs> in this hosting position. Chat tonight. Everyone will be glad to see the back of you, Ben, I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>